Welcome to the Happy Highly Sensitive Life Podcast, where we talk about using human design to build a life that lights you up as a highly sensitive person. In this show, you'll feel like you're sitting down with a friend who's here to help you unlock your energy, find the work you're designed to do, express your true self, and follow your heart. It's time to shift the conversation about sensitivity. In this space, your feelings are always valid, a joyful life and work you love are meant for you, and the possibilities are endless. I will confess that there are certain terms that come from the therapy world that lead me to feel a bit put off. Words like boundaries, enmeshment, and codependent, to name a few. You may know that I am a former therapist, and because of that, you may kind of think that at some point I had an affinity for these terms. But I know firsthand, as someone who needed to learn better boundaries in my life, that there's a certain level of shame that goes with discovering you identify with these terms. What ends up happening is that we end up labeling ourselves as having bad boundaries, and the word bad sticks with how we identify ourselves. You know, the language we use to talk about ourselves is important. Words assign meaning and also influence how we feel about having the potential to evolve and to learn and to grow. So after learning about human design and how the energy centers function, I prefer to shift the focus from talking about setting boundaries to talking about staying self-connected. Now, when I talk about staying self-connected, I mean maintaining focus on what's important to you and your own wants and needs in the midst of energy from others that could overpower or disrupt that self-attunement. As HSPs, we so often find ourselves just knowing or intuiting the wants and needs of others, and our own needs and wants can get pushed to the back burner and remain unspoken as a result. So if you're with someone who's hurting, you push your needs aside to focus on theirs. Well, over time, if this keeps happening, the relationship becomes one-sided. Here's another way this shows up. Perhaps you have an issue with someone, but you're worried there will be emotional blowback if you stand up for yourself. So you avoid having the conversation. I know this dynamic firsthand. Or say you're afraid if you say no, you're letting someone down, even though you're really holding yourself to a very high standard of being conscientious. So learning to stay self-connected is ultimately about staying aware of your wants and needs, feeling assured about speaking up about what's important to you so that you protect your time, your physical energy, and your emotional energy. Now, I am the first to admit that at times in my life when I've considered bringing up a hard conversation, I would analyze the situation from every angle possible, trying to imagine how the other person would respond and what I would say back. It was as if I were preparing to negotiate a hostage release. I was trying to think and feel my way into being ready to take a risk and speak up. Now, if you've been in this place, please don't give up on saying what you need because it feels overwhelming and hard. When you put your life on autopilot without steering the course of it, reflexively saying yes and agreeing to anything that comes your way, absorbing the emotions and wants and needs of others at the expense of your own, giving what you don't have to give, this leads to frustration, anger, bitterness, or disappointment, and the less you thrive emotionally and physically. 
when you're pushing against your own knowing about what's right for you, eventually your body, mind, and spirit start to wither. So in this episode, I'll talk about staying self-connected to what's important to you and your wants and needs. You will learn the open centers in human design and what they show us about challenges that may emerge with staying self-connected. How our history shapes how we stay self-connected, how staying self-connected is a skill that can be learned, and 10 tips for speaking up for what's important to you. My hope is that this episode will give you a new way to view setting boundaries and open a door for you to approach yourself with kindness and to see yourself on a path of evolving, learning and growing and giving yourself grace to try a new way of relating to others. So let's start by talking about human design and what the energy centers show us about how we absorb the energy of others and how this can make it harder to hear and know what we want and to feel assured about voicing our needs. Now, first, I wanna make sure you have a little bit of human design background. In episode 10, I share an introduction to human design for HSPs. To learn how to get your human design chart, listen to that episode. I will link it in the show notes. Now, when you first look at your chart, you'll see nine geometric shapes overlaid over the human body. These shapes are called centers and they work like the chakras and they have energetic themes. When a center is defined, it can also be called closed. You have consistent access to that energy theme. This center will be colored in. Now, white centers are called open centers or sometimes undefined centers. I'll refer to them both ways as open and undefined. Through them, we take in and amplify the energy of people we're with. In these centers, we're deeply attuned to the energy of others. We may feel absorbed, consumed, or influenced by the energy of others or pressured by this energy. Now, I want to take a moment to go through the energy dynamics created by six of the nine centers as they relate to staying self-connected. And the first center I want to talk about is the will center. The will center is the center of willpower. It's the small triangle located to the lower right of the diamond in the middle of the body graph. The majority of people have an open will center. If it's open, it's white. And you may find yourself agreeing to do something you don't wanna do to prove your worth. You may find that you underestimate your value, your time, or your services. You may say yes to things in an effort to prove yourself. You may override your sense of knowing about what works for you and what you need and to reflexively make overly generous offers without anyone asking you to. The next center to talk about is the identity center. The identity center is the center for love, identity, and purpose, and it's that diamond in the center of the body graph. It's concerned with your life purpose. It aligns you to who you are and a sense of yourself. It's the center of love and self-love. Now, I have an open identity center, and many intuitives and therapists have open identity centers, giving you the ability to intuit other people's values, perspective, mission, and purpose. You may just know what other people want and need. You may not know how you know it, you just know. With an open identity center, you feel very tuned into who you're with and the space you're in. You may feel influenced by the energy of other people and have a flexible identity and sense of yourself. You may try to blend in and start to share and mirror the identity of the people you're with and the environment you're in. You can so strongly feel the other person and their perspective that you may give their perspective the benefit of the doubt, 
perhaps at the expense of your own perspective. Your own needs and wants can get pushed to the back burner and remain unspoken. With this center open, you may question your lovability and feel like you need to prove your lovability. You know, it's it's funny. When I first learned about the Open Identity Center, I didn't really relate to the idea that I needed to prove my lovability. I've since come to realize that this shows up for me through worrying about what other people think of me. Whenever I used to worry about what someone else thought of me, my mom used to encourage me to tune back into myself saying, Maria, the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. And she's definitely a wise woman. And this helped me more than once to refocus and stay connected to what was important to me and to ask myself, what do I want? Over time, I learned to do that more and more. I also had to deliberately look for my life and what I wanted my life to be and really get clear about what was important to me. Okay, now let's move on to the throat center. It's the center for communication and manifestation, and it's the square located three shapes from the top of the body graph. With an open throat center, which is about 28% of the population, you may find that to be seen and heard and that speaking up relieves anxiety in the moment. So you may be chatty and try to be the life of the party just to relieve anxiety. This may lead you to lose track of what you truly want and need. You may find that you agree to do something when you don't really want to because you're trying to break the tension in the moment. If you've ever been in a work meeting where there's a task that's up for grabs and there's dead silence and no one wants to take it on, and if you have an open throat and you end up volunteering when you don't want to, this may be why. Okay, so let's move on and talk about the root center. The root center houses the adrenaline associated with taking action. It's the square at the bottom center of the chart. And as I mentioned in episode 12, which was called Exhaustion, Hustle, and Burnout, What Human Design Can Teach HSPs About Fatigue, I will link it in the show notes. With an open root, if you're around someone with a defined root, you may feel pressured by their defined root energy. So a passing comment or observation from your partner with a defined root may feel like they're asking you to do something or a request when it really wasn't intended to be that way. It was just an observation. It may feel that others are waiting on you to complete tasks and that you're constantly trying to get free of the pressure to get things done by being super productive. You also may feel that the expectations coming from others are impossibly high. You may find that this pressure leads you to disconnect from your own wants and needs. Suddenly, you're taking on too much and saying yes to things that you have no desire to take on. Now, with present moment awareness, you can realize that the pressure is energetic and ask questions to clarify the expectations coming from other people and to triage what really needs to get done. All right, now let's talk about the solar plexus. It's the large triangle on the bottom right side of the body graph that's associated with emotions. Now, I talked a lot about the solar plexus in episode 11 about empath overload, what human design can show you about being an empath and how to cope. I will link that in the show notes for you. With an open emotional solar plexus, you are an emotional empath, taking in other people's emotional energy and amplifying it. Now, 50% of the world has an open emotional solar plexus, and you are here to become wise about feelings. It's easy to think that the emotions you're experiencing are your own. When you take in other people's emotional energy, the emotions feel amplified. 
Now, because of how strongly you experience the emotional energy of others, it's hard to be in the negative energy of other people. You feel absorbed by the emotions of others and try to maintain a peaceful environment by avoiding conflict. If you have an issue with someone, you may sidestep having the hard conversation because you're afraid of emotional blowback that may come from standing up for yourself. Now, there's another dynamic that can happen here too. If you're with someone who's hurting, you may push your needs aside to focus on theirs. If this happens again and again, your relationship becomes one-sided. All right, let's talk about the spleen. The spleen is the triangle on the bottom left side of the body graph. It's an awareness center and it's connected to instinctual safety, health and well-being, and survival awareness. Through the open spleen, you empathically pick up on the instinctive and intuitive pulses and signals about survival and well-being in a lot of different ways based on who you're with. Your instincts are coming in through so many different ways, you may not know which intuitive signals to trust, follow, and act on. You empathically pick up on the fears other people are experiencing, and this can create anxiety for you. Now, the gift of this center is that you intuitively know what other people are experiencing. However, this energy can feel so absorbing that your sense of connection to yourself and what's going on with you can be overshadowed. It's hard to know what are your instincts and what are someone else's instincts. It's hard to know what are your intuitions that you need to follow and what's someone else's intuition. With an open spleen, you tend to want to be prepared for whatever may come your way to counteract your anxiety. You may tend to hold on to things like habits or relationships so that you'll be prepared. Holding on gives you that peace of mind and a sense of security. Releasing and letting go or saying goodbye to someone that's not a fit can feel hard. Now, when you know about your open centers and how you may become absorbed or influenced by the energy of others, you can become more aware of the energy dynamics that are driving your actions in the moment. But there's another dynamic at play that we have to talk about. Growing up, we adopt habits and patterns about speaking up for ourselves. In our childhood, we have limited power, voice, and influence. We learned when to lay low and how to stay out of trouble and keep harmony in an effort to get our needs met. These patterns and habits just led to our survival on a daily basis. They led to our acceptance and they determined how we felt loved and valued. And the dynamics we experienced growing up unconsciously inform a sense of what's safe or not safe to do and say later in life. Now let's talk about this a little bit more deeply. As HSPs, everywhere we go, we're reading the energy of people and places. We're constantly engaged in a nonverbal energy exchange. As we move through our day, we get energetic red lights or green lights that either stop us from moving forward or open the door for taking action. And the energy dynamics we experience growing up unconsciously inform a sense of what's a red or green light later in life. The habits and patterns we developed in childhood influence what feels safe to do and say later in life. So here's an example of what I mean. When I was growing up, as much as I loved my dad, he lived with emotional walls up. He was the strong, silent type most of the time, and when he was upset, he pulled back even more, not talking to anyone. He made eye contact less. He felt heavy to be around, and there was tension in the air and an invisible energetic wall up. Sometimes I would ask him a question and he wouldn't respond. It was as if I hadn't spoken. His moods created tension in the house and I knew something was off, but I never knew exactly what it was. 
As a result, I would tread lightly and dismiss my feelings. I would shrink down and become invisible. I was hesitant, quiet, and withdrawn. And this made an energetic imprint on me. I adopted certain patterns of relating to him and those patterns became my default blueprint for how I related to men and authority figures as I left home and as I got my first job and started dating more seriously. So you know that feeling of meeting someone for the first time and getting the sense that they feel familiar to you in some way? You can't quite put your finger on why, but there's an energetic similarity to someone you know or have known. There's a tone of voice that seems similar. Maybe it's a way they hold their body or make eye contact or their energy behind their words or the sound of their laugh or an instinctive, intuitive sense that you need to tread lightly. For example, if you're like me and you were energetically imprinted by your father to remain quiet, to keep the peace and maintain his approval with individuals who carry his similar energetic presentation or who have a sense of authority in your life, you will unconsciously carry and express yourself in the same way around them. The same norms that you had about expressing yourself and saying what you want and need with that person would be a default way of relating in this new situation. It feels just safe to fall into this old pattern or habit of relating. Well, these habits may not serve you as well later in life, but it is possible to become aware of these patterns and how they may be limiting connections and to change them. When I first started dating, I fell into patterns based on what I'd experienced with my dad. I was a magnet for men who were the strong, silent type, who preferred heavy intellectual debates, and who shied away from conversations about feelings. That's just what felt normal to me. Relating any other way felt too intimate, and I wanted to avoid being seen as too sensitive or labeled as high maintenance. I withdrew when I was upset, as I'd seen my dad do. And then... Later on, when I was taking relationship coach training, I read John Gottman's relationship research and learned that the habit of pulling back in silence is called stonewalling, and it's a top reason that marriages don't last. I knew that if I wanted to eventually have an emotionally close and supportive relationship, I had some new things to learn. I was able to create a new pattern of learning to talk about what was important to me and what I wanted and needed. In the beginning, there were lots of moments of feeling unsure, of being afraid to speak up and being afraid I would be dismissed. And then I would just hold on to my seat and force words out of my mouth, bracing for impact. And eventually it became easier to speak up and I started creating a new pattern for how to talk about what I wanted and needed. So let's go deeper with talking about solutions and how to stay self-connected and to speak up for your wants and needs. I have 10 strategies that I wanna share with you. And the first is learn to tune into and hear your inner truth. For that, I recommend learning about and starting to use your human design strategy and authority to make decisions. Human design tells us that we take in so much conditioning and feel influenced by others through messages about what we should and shouldn't do. And as a result, our body rather than our mind holds the truest source of wisdom. You can learn more about strategy and authority and how to tune into your body's wisdom by going back and listening to episode 10, an introduction to human design for HSPs. I'll link it in the show notes. So as an example, 70% of the population, that's generators and manifesting generator energy types, they feel an immediate sacral yes or no response. That's an uh uh-huh or 
uh uh-uh in your gut. And that response shares your inner truth. If you're a manifester, projector, or reflector energy type, listen to episode 10 for details about your strategy for tuning into your inner truth and inner wisdom. Okay, so number two, learn about your human design so you know what centers are open and maybe driving your responses. By becoming aware of the centers you can be influenced through, you immediately begin to change the dynamic. Now this takes me to strategy number three, delay giving an answer so you have a chance to separate from the other person's energy field. Have you ever noticed that you feel more clarity about what you want and need when you're away from the person you need to give an answer to? This has happened to me so often. And then once you're back in the same room with that person, you start to soften your stance. Well, being in the energetic force field of a person can interfere with connecting to your truth. I'm a manifesting generator and there are times that I won't hear my sacral uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh response when I'm in the presence of another person. I am anticipating the other person's perspective. My open identity center just knows what the other person wants me to say. Now, this is more likely to happen in a situation where there are a lot of social rules. For example, when I worked in an office, I wondered if I could say no without burning bridges. Or when I'm face-to-face with someone who's just an acquaintance and there are social niceties pressing down on me. These are the times you want to say, let me check, can I get back to you? And get out of their energy field to tune into your truth. Okay, number four, know your answer is a no, even if you're not sure how to communicate your truth yet. Have you ever known your answer was a no, but you weren't sure how you could possibly say no, so you said yes instead? When you've got your answer, but you're not sure how to deliver it, just let it sit. Let your intuition work on a solution for how to deliver your no. Open yourself up to the idea that there may be a way to honor what you feel and what you need. Then see what options emerge. The fact that you don't know how to say no isn't a sign that you should say yes. It's a sign it's time to learn some new ways of saying no. Okay, number five, reframe saying no as a chance for authenticity. When you think about saying no, you may get flooded with all the reasons saying no will be awful and lead to a really hard conversation. I know there have been times in my life I didn't share my truth because I didn't want to feel a rush of strong emotion or worse, start crying when I was really mad about something. This is the time to change how you're thinking and instead focus on how setting an authentic limit is a chance to be more fully known. Before the pandemic, we dropped out of our neighborhood monthly dinner group and this was the perspective that helped me get through the fear of that uncomfortable moment where I would say, dinner club just doesn't work for us every month. Okay, number six, write a script and research, learn and practice new ways to say no or speak your truth. Now, I want to tell you about a tool that can be really helpful for this. It's called nonviolent communication. It should be called peaceful communication. But what this does is it short circuits conflict by using deep listening and compassion. Now, let me share a scenario to describe the four-step process. Your partner changes their mind about going to a show with you at the last minute. So step one in nonviolent communication is to make a neutral observation. I hear you say you can't come to the show with me. Okay, step two is to focus on feelings, not issues. I feel confused or frustrated. Step three is to convey your unmet need. I need consistency or consideration. Step four, make a request to satisfy the need. In the future, would you let me know earlier if you've changed your mind? 
Now, some communities offer practice groups for learning nonviolent communication. In the show notes, I'll share a link to the nonviolent communication website and practice groups. I have been to some of these groups and found them to be helpful. All right, so let's go on to the next one, number seven. Do nose belly breathing to support and center you when you're having a hard conversation. Deep breathing triggers your relaxation response and allows you to stay more centered in the conversation. So aim for four to six breaths per minute. That's 10 to 15 seconds per breath. Focus on expanding the exhale rather than quickly inhaling, which may lead to hyperventilation. Use it before and during the hard talk to calm your nervous system and your racing thoughts and just to stay grounded in the conversation. Number eight, when you first start setting a limit, it may come out really weirdly, and that's okay. (laughs) Your nervousness about doing something new may make it sound forced or unnatural. That's okay. I, I was laughing because I've had some weird conversations in my life. I've come away going, oh, wow, that was really weird. But it was the first time I did it. You have to give yourself grace. You're still learning. With practice and time, it will become easier, and you'll begin to feel calmer doing it. All right, number nine, after you set a new limit, people may get caught off guard that you're behaving differently. They may push back in an effort to try to get you to revert back to the boundaries they're familiar with you having. If you usually do all the housework and then start delegating tasks to members of your family, you'll probably get grumbles about it. After all, their life is easier when you do it all. Follow your strategy and authority Be clear about your reasons so that you can stick to your guns when the grumbles come. This is just part of the change process. Be ready for the possibility and prepare to stay the course. All right, number 10, afterwards, release the stress that came with having a hard conversation. If your heart was pounding and you started sweating, that's a sign you had a stress reaction during the conversation. Afterwards, you may find yourself analyzing and processing what went on, going over every detail of what you said and they said is normal. You need a way to move the stress out of your nervous system so you can get a decent night of sleep that night. Use the strategies in episode three, how to cope with intense situations as a highly sensitive person to help release the stress from your nervous system. I will link this episode in the show notes for you. Okay, there you have it. That's 10 strategies to help you move forward with staying self-connected and expressing your wants and needs. My hope is that this episode has given you a new perspective that will help you speak about what's important to you and talk about what you want and need so you can release and let go of what's not working in your life to build a life that allows you to thrive and that lights you up. If your energy is going to the wrong things, you don't have energy and space in your life for things that really light you up. Now, if your intuition is nudging you to learn about your human design with me, Use the link in the show notes to grab a 50-page written guide to your human design. Receive a downloadable custom blueprint to guide you as you begin to incorporate the principles of human design in your life based on your unique human design chart. You can learn how you're designed to create sustainable energy, to work and to rest, to cultivate relationships, to build well-being and conduct self-care, plus how to tap into your inner knowing, attract opportunities, and fulfill your life purpose. I lovingly custom create every map myself. If you'd like to receive regular news from me, sign up for my email newsletter by following the link in the show notes. You can also connect with me on Pinterest at Happy Highly Sensitive Life. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe, leave a positive comment, and rate and review it. This helps other HSPs find the show. 
Bye now.